0: Hi everyone. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of the stride power podcast. My name is Evan Schwartz and I'm the host of the show. We hope you enjoy listening to our wide range of athletes, coaches, and experts in the running world. You can find out more about stride at stride.com spelled S T R Y D.com or check out the show notes. Feel free to give us a follow on social media by searching for stride running again, S T R Y D running without further ado. Let's get on to the show. Hey everyone, thanks for joining us for another Stride for the Love of Running webinar series. Uh, My name is Evan, I'm joined uh, today by Gus. Gus, how are you doing today?
1: I'm doing fantastic.
0: Awesome, Uh, very excited to talk today uh, about crucial analysis techniques you should use after every workout. Before we get started, I just want to remind people watching live that you can feel free to add a comment in the chat if you're watching on YouTube or Facebook, and we will answer any questions you have. That's one of the benefits of us doing a live stream, especially, uh, you know, presentations like this. From our side, you get to ask us any questions as well. So feel free to ask questions. If you are watching or listening after the fact, please feel free to uh, like, comment, subscribe. If you're listening to the audio, please subscribe on the podcast platform of your choice. Without further ado, we are going to get into it. Uh, Gus, just before maybe we actually dive into stuff, um, could you tell us uh, a little bit more about just some of the general concepts that we'd like to uh, talk about? So maybe in an abstract way, why it's important to analyze things and why is it actually important to use Stride in that kind of way?
1: well absolutely so we have access to a lot of great data with stride and we don't want to look at the same data after every single run and we don't want to look at the same data for every single part of the run some of the data is going to be more useful to look at in the warm-up section the main workout section and hard intervals and you might even compare different metrics between runs like we have a very limited amount of time and manpower we can put towards analyzing our data so we want to analyze the most crucial sections so we can extract the best insights and that's what we want to guide you to we want to tell you the sections of the workout you should be analyzing and the most important data as part of those sections
0: yeah absolutely so let's dive into the presentation we have here so again today we are going to be talking about crucial analysis techniques you should use after every workout so topics we're going to talk about today Tag your workouts for lightning-fast comparison, how to identify the crucial sections that you should spend your time digging deeper into, and the trends and metrics you should be on the lookout for in your Stride data. So first, we're gonna talk about tagging. Make tagging a habit. This is something you can do on the mobile side right now on the left side of the screen. Uh, again, for anybody listening, this, uh, this typically this type of uh, video format is very engaging with some of the visuals we put on. So um, you can get some great information by listening here, but we're going to be talking and referencing some visuals on the screen. Uh, on the left side of the screen here, you see me going through a very, very simple tagging procedure. My run type, it was a hill repeat workout. The surface type, I ran on the road, perceived effort, I considered it moderate. How did I feel? I felt good, so I got a nice little smiling emoji there. Uh, the thing we want to remind you here, first and foremost, is to make tagging a habit. You can have lightning-fast comparisons. It's important now to log how you feel for perceived effort, for how you you know, felt, whether you're great, good, normal, poor, uh, and then just making sure you get the correct type of mindset when you are tagging, and it helps you maintain a mental record in that way. Afterwards you'll see uh, the, the little run card there in your app. It'll show up with that blue little tag highlighted underneath that uh, little heart icon there. So make sure to make tagging a habit. Gus, do you have any comments on tagging?
1: So this is a great feature as part of our mobile app, but this is gonna be expanding more across the Stride platform. So the tags you make today, those tags aren't going away as we bring more tagging features to the power center and we bring more in-depth filtering options. Uh, this is gonna be tremendously important later to to compare your historical runs against each other.
0: Absolutely. Um, one of the you know, things we've been talking about with some of the <clears throat> experts that we've had over the past couple of weeks is uh, doing stuff to help yourself in the future. So this is a way that you can help yourself in the future on the stride side. Uh, apples to apples comparison, and you can still have apples to apples comparison if you're using Android and not iOS, little fun joke there. Um, how do you get, you know all your runs sorted down really quickly well from the home page press the calendar icon you can see this first arrow on the left side then you get brought to the calendar page press the top left corner to bring up the filtering and then today we're going to be talking about workouts so you can see in the uh, third image there i have 910 runs uh, on my profile so quite a lot of runs to sort through if i press the workouts little toggle there, it brings it down to 30 runs. So I can see 30 runs that I've tagged as workouts and that shrinks the amount of stuff that you have to sift through immensely. So uh, this is just the power of showing, uh, you know some of the comparison features that you can do in one, two, three clicks. You can bring 910 runs all the way down to 30 runs to be able to analyze your different workouts there. Um, So yeah, apples apples comparison. Very, very easy to do. What is a workout, Gus? Uh, this is the uh, first kind of question that I want to pose on our side. What is a uh, workout when it comes to the Stride platform?
1: So with the tagging feature, we have different tags you can that you can assign to your run. And you might define a workout as any of these from Fart Lake all the way down to pace run. Mm-hmm. And we group these together as quality workout sessions, the ones that really make a difference to your overall fitness, especially when you're preparing for a race. So to simplify that workout filtering option down, if you tag your run as any of these options and you put the flag on to only look at workouts. These are the runs you're going to be served and the runs you can analyze.
0: Absolutely. Um, I'll give just a quick, um, you know, kind of breakdown for people listening as well. A fartlek, uh, we would potentially refer to this as a uh, time-based interval uh, or something where, you know, you go back to the true definition of the uh, word. It's um, maybe you run in your neighborhood. And you run hard from one mailbox to the next one, and then you recover to the next light post. Then you run hard to the end of the block. Um, it's based off that personal sensation, or you can, uh, you know, kind of tag it as, uh, you know, 10 times one minute hard with one minute easy running in between intervals. We might say uh, 10 times 400 meter repeats on the track with, uh, you know, a minute rest in between hill repeats. You are doing repeats up a hill, so that could be hill sprints. Those very short sprints it could be all the way up to you know five minute hill repeats. A tempo run would be something that we would consider, um, you know, pretty high intensity, pretty close to what you would your critical power would be, but for a sustained amount of time. A threshold run could be close to critical power. It could be close to uh, you know your your marathon power. It's an extended amount of time. Cruise intervals would be closer to whatever power you're outputting for your tempo run or threshold, but you have some set rest in between. So instead of doing 25 minutes continuous at your critical power, you might do five times five minutes at your critical power with a two minute jog in between. Strides we'll talk about in detail later on in the presentation. Uh, We might consider these as 10 times 20 seconds Uh, hard. So those short, fast bouts, a progression run, you are progressing the intensity throughout the run or a pace run. This might be something very, very specific, like a time trial as well. So these are what we define as workouts. And those were a couple of uh, short examples of what you could consider for each one of these activity types. Gus, anything to add here? I think that's fantastic. We did have a few questions on sure. the
1: workout tagging feature and I think it's appropriate to slip those in. Sure. So we have Lubos ask, asking, could I actually select multiple surfaces? Sometimes I run on various surfaces. And my recommendation for that is to select the primary surface. So if it's mostly on grass, select grass. Or if the primary workout happened on dirt, uh, for example, the hard sections, select the dirt. For example, your warm-up might be on grass, but what you really care about is that hard workout section on the on the dirt section.
0: Right. Totally. Yeah. Um, and if it uh, if it is important for you to track, uh, let's say that I live two miles away from some nice dirt surfaces, uh, and I have to run there via asphalt. I could stop my activity, start a new activity on the dirt, and then. Stop that once I finish running on the dirt, and then I have my two miles, you know, back to where I started my run. Um, we don't want to make you overthink things, but yeah, primarily tagging uh, this stuff is just what you should do right now, I think.
1: And another question from Inai, I believe, asks: So an easy run is not a workout. How would you how would you consider an easy run, Evan?
0: Yeah, an easy run is a run type. Uh, So I'll actually uh, go back a little bit here. So on this uh, page here, we have at the top here, run type, and you can filter run types. So run types could be a easy run, a moderate run, we have different tags for run types as well. Um, But but the thing that we wanted to give an example here was workouts, because we're going to talk about how to analyze workouts. Um, Workouts are another subsection of run types. But yes, you can absolutely uh, click on that run type and then select your easy runs and you can compare your easy runs as well. Um, chances are, uh, you know, I'm gonna be doing more easy runs. So it's gonna be harder to sort through those uh, than the workouts that I'm trying to compare between.
1: And I wanna hit on one more point sure. uh, once again in that all, all workouts and all runs are important. But when we're thinking about workouts, we're really think about difference making runs, the mm-hmm. runs that made a difference leading up to race, the ones that you got to display your fitness or a run where you got to basically improve your fitness leading up to a race.
0: Yep, absolutely. So these are what we would, again, just giving a little bit of a primer of what we're going to talk about. As we go through this, just want to lay a foundation for what we're defining as a workout in the Stride ecosystem right now. Uh, any other questions before we move on? I think that's fantastic. I think that's okay, cool. So this is an example workout that we're going to dive into a little bit. This is a run I did a couple of weeks ago. Again, this is that exact hill repeat workout that I tagged, so we get to go kind of in depth with this one. The workout for me was a warm up and then three miles moderate, plus six hills, and then a cool down. So this is the overall run snapshot. The distance overall uh, was just over 10 miles. Um, A little bit decent of a stressful workout. I would say Uh, 70 RSS is pretty good. A little bit of elevation gain. Um, We're going to look at the individual sections here and, uh, you know, dive in a little bit more. So first thing. Uh, the first part of any workout that I would look at is the warm up. You can have this as its own activity. We do have warm up and cooldown as their own run types, but I just did this as a continuous run. The thing that I would like to remind people is that a workout is not necessarily. Uh, for for analysis purposes, it's not necessarily just what you run as a hard effort. It is that entire activity as a whole. You're not looking at just that snapshot in the middle. That's a little bit more intense. So this warm up, a little bit over three miles, uh, 272 watts. My high end for my zone one is around 270 watts. Um, so this was right on the high end. Uh, You can definitely see here the elevation profile. So I was pretty much going uphill the whole way, which means that for an equivalent pace, my power is going to be higher because I am outputting more watts to overcome that climbing resistance there. Uh, My cadence, um, a a little bit on the low side, this is something we'll talk about throughout the presentation, something that I noticed, especially putting this together. Um, Form power, I'd consider that pretty normal for that power output. My ground contact time, pretty normal LSS. I'm usually in the mid nines for my warm-up. So this is something that I've you know been able to compare uh, over the years using Stride. Uh, this is pretty standard for me. Vertical oscillation, that's okay. Air power, it was windy. 4% air power um, for this pace and for this power output. Um, it definitely was windy. Uh, pretty much the last two miles as I made a kind of uh, turn into a direct headwind here. Uh, definitely something that I'm, I'm able to notice there. Uh, Gus, any other comments on the warm-up here? Well, one thing I think that's
1: important to take notice here is the white line. And the white line represents Evan's critical power. And you're going to see that Evan, not for a single point during his warm-up, did he cross his critical power. Not even for a single moment, he kept it underneath his critical power, and that's a very basic thing to do, but that's something that you should reflect on after every run. Did I stay disciplined to my warm-up, and did I stay underneath my critical power?
0: Absolutely. Especially, uh, you know, let, let's say um, maybe right around this, this five-minute mark here. Um, I don't know if you can see me hovering on the screen here, but uh, in between the 320 and the 640 here, you can see this little spike up, right? It's very, very easy, especially on the warm-up when you're feeling okay in the first couple minutes of a run to push a little bit too hard. But I acknowledge that I was pushing a little bit. I was approaching that critical power line. I, I didn't go above it at all. But then I reined it back in a little bit and I made that warm up a little bit progressive. I definitely had a little bit uh, higher power output because I was running into a headwind. Um, but because I started actually warming up, I started getting a little bit uh, more loose, but I did not press above my critical power in the warm up. A very, very uh, in- important thing there. Uh, I We just had a question that comes in that uh, corresponds with this. Uh, point here. So question is, what is air power? 4% means what? So this is what you get with the uh, newest stride that factors in air resistance. 4% of my power for this section was added from air resistance that I had to overcome. So this is one of the features with the new stride. So, um, you know, for me remembering this warm-up warmup, as, as soon as I, you know, kind of I hit this around six minute mark, on that first mile-ish, uh, the headwinds started coming because I started running into a headwind. And so I know for me, running about seven minute per mile pace at 270 watts, that would require a little bit of a headwind to make the air power about 4%. So just something to internalize, something to um, you know, kind of know about your own running. But for me, this looks pretty normal, but definitely I remember that it was windy and I can see from the data that in fact, it was windy um any other comments here on the warm-up gus i think
1: it was an excellently executed workout and i'd love to i mean warm up i'd love to see the uh the next part
0: yeah so the workout then, so the the quality session, uh, was a moderate three miles. Uh, So moderate about three miles. I ran 2.93 just because that was what was convenient. I wasn't going off of a very set distance. I just wanted something around that. So I ended up averaging 300 watts. Uh, My pace was 603 per mile. Uh, My cadence was about the exact same uh, as as the warm up. I think the warm up was 166 cadence. Cadence for the moderate section was 168. Uh, ground contact time was a little bit less. LSS was 0.2 uh, lower. Vertical oscillation was a little bit higher. Air power actually dropped 2% because I was running uh, with a crosswind. So uh, I wasn't impacted as much by that headwind, but I was traveling a little bit faster. Um, one thing I wanted to highlight here, as Gus mentioned on the warm up, on the warm up, I didn't. I didn't cross that critical power. You can see maybe one, two, three, four sections where I kind of touch and go over that critical power a little bit. Moderate running is not supposed to be that very high end threshold approaching that critical power. Uh, I did uh, what I hope to be a okay job here, especially over these rolling hills you see here. An okay job trying to monitor my power in real time and make sure I was sticking right at about 300. For, for me, I know anywhere between 290 and 310, that's, that's, that's pretty moderate running. Uh, and so the goal for this workout wasn't to smash a good three miles. It was just to get a little bit of extra quality in before the hill repeats uh, later on in the workout. But as you can see here, again, I tried to make a conscious effort to not Go above my critical power. I did for, um, you know, maybe 15 to 20 seconds total out of this about 18-minute section. Uh, so I thought I did a pretty good job at staying disciplined here. Um, Gus, any comments on this from your side?
1: Yeah. So in the warm up, I look for staying underneath critical power. Then in steady state workout sections, I look for power consistency. How steady can you keep a power from the start of that section to the end of that section? Mm -hmm. And I think you've done an excellent job here. The power, the power line is very flat, especially over the rolling terrain, especially with a bit of wind.
0: Absolutely. Um, Cool. Let's move on to the next point here. And this is something that I think people potentially overlook. It's, the short recovery. So I did a three-mile warm-up. I did about three miles at a moderate effort, but I didn't immediately blast right into uh, you know the hill repeats that I had. I took about a minute, about 45, 47 seconds to jog, um, and I kept this pretty easy. My normal easy range is about 250 to 270 watts, like I mentioned in that uh, that warm up section. So I dropped it down, tried to stay around 250 watts, just get a little bit of recovery as I made my way to the hill to start. So this is something that you can overlook, but it's something that is important to acknowledge. And one of the things I really like here, uh, just showing the power of air power, is that if you remember, I was running into a headwind that caused about 4% air power on that warm-up. I am now on this short recovery running the opposite way. So I'm actually not having to overcome that air resistance because the wind behind me, I remember it was a very, very breezy, gusty day in Boulder. That air resistance behind me is actually... Uh, making it so I don't have to o- overcome that air resistance in front of me. So it's very, very cool to see uh, this this in real time. Um, I think Gus, any comments here?
1: I think you hit on it perfectly. It's important to pay attention to these finer details. You want to make mm-hmm. sure you're going into the, the quality section you run recovered. You want, right before you hit the repeats, you want to make sure you're ready for that. There's no reason to enter that quality section fatigued. So I think you did the, exactly the right thing here to do a short recovery.
0: Awesome. Cool. So. Now, we are going to talk about hill repeats. So as you can see, we have these uh, spiky blue and orange lines along with the gray elevation profile in the background. So the goal for these hill repeats is to try and <clears throat> output higher power. So we've talked to, with, with a couple people over the past couple weeks um, about the importance of practicing that higher power output, whether it comes from strength training uh, or training on hills specifically. So this was something that I um, usually do in my training, but I thought would be a very good way to illustrate for people. So um, looking at a overall picture for the hill repeats, you don't gain a ton of information. Uh, the, The power here, it's 274. That doesn't really mean anything because when I'm running uphill, I'm running much, much higher than 274. When I'm running downhill, I'm much, much lower. The pace, again, doesn't really mean anything. The cadence, because I have that high intensity, low intensity, cadence is going to be different. Same thing for form power, ground contact time, LSS, vertical oscillation. The one thing you can see here, the hill was very windy, 6% air power for this because I'm running faster uphill, but also when I'm coming back downhill, I'm running into that headwind. Uh, So definitely something that I could see over the average was the air power was higher. So that reminded me again, it was windy. really you need to look at these sort of repeats on an individual basis to be able to get any information. Gus, any points before we uh, go on to the next slide?
1: Well, when looking at the repeats in a macro view, there's, that you're going to find a common theme I like to hit on. It's, it's consistency. You see how Evan's peak powers across each of these intervals was very consistent. He might've peaked a little for the last rep and that's fine, but For the large majority of reps, they all paid to the consistent max power.
0: Absolutely. And that is the goal I was going for, for these relatively short, about 20 to 25 second hill repeats. For these, my my goal is to finish well for all of them. So you can see each of these repeats, even though they slightly differ with the overall intensity... My goal is to finish the repeat at a higher point than when I start. So I'm going for max power output. I'm not going for the first 10 seconds of a repeat to be as hard as possible and then slowly fade over the course of the repeat. The goal here is to finish well. So you can see rep one, rep two, three, four, five, six, especially. I finished well because this is what I practice when I go off of power and I've run this specific hill so many times and I've run this specific session so many times, I know how to do it now based on looking back at my um, my, 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 my past workouts. So um, we're going to get a little bit in depth here, just to show you uh, some of that. Gus mentioned this was a macro view. We're going to zoom in a little bit, maybe give you that micro view between them. So six hill repeats here. Uh, Feel free if you're watching this after the fact uh, to pause on the screen. We're gonna be here for just a little bit, um, but I don't want it to be anything that's necessarily too distracting. This is breaking down the repeats. One, two, three, four, five, six here. And then we're gonna look at power, pace, cadence, form power, ground contact time, LSS and vertical oscillation. So the main thing to look at here is not necessarily how um, you know the numbers are in one snapshot, it's an overall trend. We look for the trends between the repeats. So the two points that I want to highlight here are rep four and rep six. So the fourth repeat, my average power for the hill was 391 watts. My pace was 456 per mile, which is about 304 per kilometer. Uh, my cadence here was 196 steps per minute. Form power was 64 watts. Ground contact time was 181 milliseconds average. My LSS was 8.5. And for, for me, 8.5 again is uh, a little bit lower than I was doing on the warm up. My vertical oscillation was 6.62 centimeters. So the thing that you'll notice, and the thing that you should notice here, is that for this fourth repeat, I had the lowest power output. I had almost the lowest cadence, almost the lowest pace, almost the highest form power, which is not necessarily what I want for this. I actually had a little bit higher form power ratio, which is um, a little bit less beneficial as uh, you know having a lower form power, just comparing. Ground contact time was higher, LSS was lower, vertical oscillation was higher. So if I look at this, the immediate thing that I see comparing these values in the fourth repeat, this is not what I want to be doing. So I need to refocus. So I, I could feel this during this repeat as well. I felt a little bit more sluggish. I felt like I wasn't focusing as much. When we had uh, Will Murray on just the other day, he was talking about a very similar workout that, that he did. He was doing the maximal hill repeats. And he didn't physiologically fail on his hill repeats. I didn't fail on this fourth hill repeat. I just wasn't focused enough. I wasn't practicing the skill of hill running as I should have. Now, if we go to the sixth repeat where where I'm finishing, I'm feeling that, you know, that fourth repeat, I didn't do things how I wanted to do. That fifth repeat, I got a little bit more on track, but if we look at the uh, sixth repeat here, I averaged 402 watts compared to 391 that I did in the fourth. Uh, My average pace was 445, so 11 seconds faster per mile pace up this hill. My cadence was 205, so nine steps per minute higher. My form power was the exact same, but my power actually went up 11 watts. So that's a better form power ratio. My ground contact time dropped down to 173 from 181. My LSS went up to 8.9 from 8.5. My vertical oscillation went down to 6.1 from 6.6. And for a hill, I don't necessarily wanna be spending more time in the air. I wanna be spending more time transitioning that power forward. So. The quick analysis that I'm able to do here is see that I had that mental lapse and focus on hill repeat four and I was able to specifically focus on hill repeat six finish the workout feeling very good but then when I get back to my computer and my phone after after I tag my workout on my phone I can look on the computer and specifically see that the metrics that stride tracks back up exactly how I was feeling during the workout. And I know the next time I do this session next week that I have to focus on keeping my cadence higher and focus on keeping my vertical oscillation a little bit lower. And that is what I'm going to take home from this message. So I felt this during the workout, but the thing that's super powerful for me is the fact that I can look at the stats afterwards and I can have that message echoed exactly in the numbers and reinforce exactly how I was feeling. Uh, Gus, any comments here?
1: So one thing that's beautiful about the running power is that when Evan's running, he only has access to that power number. He's not going to be seeing his cadence, his form power, or any of these other metrics while he's running. He might have power, and he might have average lap power. So we can look at the lap power from each of these reps. Yep. And you can see that as long as Evan was looking at that power, he knew that he was losing focus, and he knew to adjust that. So these extra metrics are great to confirm it after the fact, but while he's running power almost serves the entire purpose of all these metrics as even as the real-time guide.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And the other thing that, you know, comes along here is uh, what I briefly mentioned is practicing that skill, right? Like you have to practice running well up a hill to be, to be good at that. So the thing I don't want to do in a, in a, you know, practice session is, practice having too high of a vertical oscillation, practice having too much ground contact time, too low of a cadence, because then when it comes to race day, I'm going to try and mimic that exact behavior that i put together in practice. And so um, I really, really, really want to echo that this, you know, this case is particularly for me, but this was a super powerful, um, you know, kind of summation of exactly what I already knew that I don't want to be bouncing up and down up a hill. I want to be transitioning that power forward as best as I can. And I want to have a quick cadence. I want to have a lower ground contact time. And I got up the hill faster by a very large margin compared to any of the other uh, hill repeats with not that much higher power. So uh, yeah, I I thought this was really, really great uh, to kind of illustrate. um, Really kind of interesting just to see how those numbers change. But you can absolutely pull out those trends there. Um, specifically between that fourth and that sixth repeat, there too. So, um, any other comments, Gus?
1: Oh, this also speaks to the importance of using the lap button. If you want yeah. to create a beautiful table like this for yourself, as long as you use the lap button, this is all going to appear in Power Center, and you're going to be able to view rep by rep how these metrics changed.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. Very, very easy to do. Very, very easy to pull out and, you know, kind of get those trends in there as well. Um, and the the thing that I actually have, so if people have questions about, well, how do I actually, you know, maybe reinforce these concepts um, on my watch for hill repeats specifically, I'll set it to 10 second power on on one of the displays where I have lap power as well. So when I get to the top of the hill, like let's say I made a um, cognizant change. I was very focused on the change I wanted to make after I saw my my power there, my, my, my peak kind of you know 10 second power at the end was around 391 watts, right? Well, I want to make a change for repeat six. And so I put that into effect for repeat five. I, I go with those cues and I can check on repeat five at the end that my power was indeed higher. And I was making those sort of cues um, and, and making that sort of change there as well. So uh, yeah, great kind of uh information to be able to pull out there uh ready to move on
1: yeah let's do that
0: awesome so just as important as the warm-up it's the cool down again we have uh if, if you split the warm-up the workout and the cool down into separate activities we do have cool down as an activity type uh for this i just kept everything in the same activity but on the cool down the thing again i'm looking for Between 250 to 270 watts, I'm almost smack dab in the middle there. Uh, Cadence pretty normal for me. Uh, Ground contact time a little bit higher. I'm running downhill, Uh, LSS a little bit lower. That's fine, it's the end of the workout. We're going to talk about uh, the LSS change uh, in in a couple slides. Vertical oscillation, air power again, I'm running uh, pretty much the opposite way. So even though I'm running the exact same pace, I don't have to output 270 watts because that air power is actually a little bit more. Uh, at, at my back. I'm not having to overcome that extra 2% there. Uh, so pretty pretty cool just to be able to, you know, again, reinforce in my mind that I remember it was windy, but the data actually shows and confirms that it was as well. Um, any points you'd like to make here, Gus?
1: I think it looks like a very standard cooldown. I like think it was executed well. I think, uh, I think that's good.
0: Awesome. I I just always love the the emoji here just because a happy face afterwards when I have a workout that I executed very well, it makes me even happier looking back and uh, you know kind of afterwards too. So, um, comparing the warm up and the cool down, let's look a, a, a little bit at this again. I, I mentioned 272 watts on the warm up, 4% air power. 257 watts on the cool down, 2% air power. Pace the exact same. Um, cool down a little bit shorter just because it was convenient. Um, you know, it was with, within about a minute of. Uh, how I or about two minutes of the overall time. So I, I really do like to have about 15 to 20 minutes of warm up, 15 to 20 minutes of cool down on either side. Uh, but yeah, just just being kind of aware that for a workout, comparing the warm up and the cool down, that's absolutely appropriate to do. And comparing this stuff over time is absolutely appropriate to do as well. Any comments here from you guys?
1: I think the the punchline is on the next slide. Sure. The big punchline for me is that there was a 0.5 kilonewton per meter drop-off in leg spring stiffness between the warm-up and the cool-down. So Evan was at around 10.0 for the warm-up, and he is around 9.5 for the cool-down. And this is an excellent sign when I look at a quality workout like this because that means that the quality of the workout did fatigue, Evan, and that was being displayed in the leg spring stiffness at the end of the workout.
0: Absolutely. Um, ready for the next one? Uh, there's a few
1: questions I'd like to sure. get to that cover, the, uh, that cover the workout that we can serve <laughs> up now. So I'll sure. serve these up to you, Evan, and yep. uh, we'll get your thoughts. So one of the questions that I thought was very insightful was from... Sheryans uh, Gupta, mm-hmm. if I was to calculate my running efficiency, should I reduce the air power percentage from the power figures? So I think specifically, Sheryans is asking about running effectiveness, and mm-hmm. if air power should be removed to effectively evaluate running effectiveness.
0: Yeah, um, I you know I, I I think the thing that I've just seen from other people talking about it, I, I guess maybe circling back a little bit here, it depends on what you're trying to find out, right? So are you trying to just see your overall ability to convert meters per second to watts per kilogram, right? Like convert that actual power to the um, pace and see how well you're doing that. If you, I suppose if you want to subtract the air power percent out, you can, but if you want to leave it in, you can as well. Um, I, I wouldn't necessarily advocate for one way or the other, but looking at, you know, different analysis, especially, um, you know, stuff uh, that, that, that we've seen kind of recently of people, you know, time trialing. Again, like we mentioned a couple of weeks ago, uh, there were a bunch of people in the uh, Paladino Power Project group that did a, you know, 5K time trial, set personal bests. Um, and then people did a 1500, a 1600, or a mile. And then in the results, you can kind of see the difference between people that have the new stride overcoming that air resistance, people that have the old stride. Um, it, it depends on your situation. I would say that if you totally love numbers and you love comparing more and more numbers, um, it should it you know it could be okay to look at it like that. It it just depends on on that sort of figure. I don't know if you have any um, more input on that question specifically, Gus.
1: Well, I think you hit on it right. You can evaluate running effectiveness with air power and without air power. And when you're evaluating with air power, that's typically used for race planning. So if you're trying to figure out how you would perform on race day, then you want to include air power for your running effectiveness. If you're just trying to evaluate essentially your form or how well you're performing that day you probably want to remove air power if it's particularly windy but in that case i would recommend running on a day that's not windy and evaluating that way
0: sure and just uh you know for 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 me uh again i could go out and run this route that i did in the warm-up and if it wasn't you know super windy then i could sort of you know see over time am i am i trending right like this could be a 10-mile loop or a 9-mile loop that I normally do, and I could see that sort of trend over time if I want to look in the numbers that way. Um, but you know, for, for for me, because that was part of the warm-up, I wouldn't necessarily um, be focused on my running effectiveness on the warm-up. I would mainly be looking at what I would um, be referring to as more like quality, right? If I want to compare. That 300 watt effort over time over the same course, then I might be able to start to get some more information. If one day was an outlier because I had an air power of 10 percent versus one day being an outlier of um, you know zero percent air power because I had a huge tailwind, uh, you know I, I might want to try and meet in the middle and try and keep the variables as uh, in line as I possibly can. We have many
1: good questions here, and mm-hmm. some of these I am going to save for the end. I'm only going to present the ones that are applicable to this workout. Sure. I have a question from Frank Orlando and he's referring to the moderate three miles you did, Evan. He yep. asked, you did not cross critical power, but it seems like your heart rate is fairly high for the moderate effort. What are, what would you say about that?
0: Yeah, let's um, let's look back at it, I guess. Uh, for, you know, for me, I, I don't really look at a heart rate. The, um, you know, watch that I was wearing was tracking heart rate, but it's tracking heart rate from the wrist. So Um, it's not something that I necessarily put a lot of stock in. The other thing that I can say is that, um, you know, just going along with the concept of heart rate, you can't really compare heart rate between people because everybody's different. Um, if it was 80 degrees Fahrenheit outside, or if it was 90% humidity, or, you know, if I'm at altitude in Boulder, Colorado here at 5,000 feet plus altitude, uh, or I had, you know, too much coffee in the morning, I didn't sleep well the night before, I'm dehydrated. A bunch of environmental uh, factors can go into that as well. But the other thing I'd say is uh, I have, um, you know, used heart rate stuff in the past and I've raced a marathon at uh, somewhere between like 172 to 174 beats per minute for a whole marathon. Um, So for me, 161, even though I don't necessarily put a lot of stock into the recording, you know the consistency between like risk based heart rate basically uh, 161 wouldn't necessarily be a high heart rate for me
1: i have a question that i'd like to answer from love try race team sure. and love try asks, ask why are we looking at pace and air resistance if you're running at a set wattage or zones then a watt is a watt whether you're running uphill or downhill and one of the important things we want to get across to this webinar is that good workout execution is done by power and you can see that the workout ex- execution if evan was doing it by pace wouldn't look so good but when you look at the power it's actually done perfectly so we really want to make that point extremely clear when we show both the power and pace and we want to take something that's relatable for a large majority of runners and bring that to stride runners so yeah uh, advanced the- users might not get a big use out of this but beginner users and beginner striders can definitely understand the use of, of showing both metrics here.
0: Yeah. And the other thing here too, is, you know, this is this is the platform we have on our website. This is stride.com slash power center. Uh, we're not necessarily focusing all in on the pace or focusing all in on the air resistance, but it's a metric that comes along there. And it could be important in different situations. Uh, you know, the main reason mentioning it is because it's on, you know, on, on the websites uh, and for, specific things like let's look one more time really quickly just at the hill repeats here. The reason we include pace is because the variable is the same. I'm running the same exact hill, um, running the same exact route. So it might be useful to uh, compare that as a solidified variable over time as well.
1: And to answer the air power question, if we actually move on to the next slide, I can answer this one as well. And I believe it is always important to check your air power after every activity. And we can see that during that three mile moderate section, we had around a mile and a half that had very heavy winds. But if you're looking at the power number, Evan actually kept a very steady power throughout the entire section. The wind was blowing, but Evan was adjusting. So I always recommend to toggle your air power and evaluate how consistent and how well you handled those conditions. You should always be mindful of the environment you're running through.
0: Absolutely. Um, yeah, no, I mean, like like I said, this was a very gusty and breezy day. So even if I wasn't, you know, running directly in a headwind, we still get these pretty nasty crosswinds coming off the foothills here in Boulder. Um, And when you're running at a place like the Boulder Reservoir, that's a very open stretch of, uh, you know, stretch of land, you get these, these gusts that are pretty, uh, constant. If I wasn't factoring in air power and I was, uh, you know, I, I didn't have stride with, uh, the added air resistance. Uh, you know, tracking there, then I had a chance to overshoot, right? So if my goal was to just aim, uh, you know, directly for 300 watts, but I didn't have the, you know, ability to track that air resistance, uh, you know, added power, then I would be actually overshooting my target. So that's why it's important to kind of factor in those things as well. But you can see, yeah, I averaged, you know, for this section, uh, you know, like quite 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 a bit uh, worse than um, you know some, some of the other sections there.
1: Let's uh, let's continue on to the next topic.
0: Sure. So comparing two similar workouts, and I do want to uh, give one more plug too. If anybody has any questions, please feel free to send them our way. Um, we 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 love answering the questions. We think it's super fun. So comparing two similar workouts: Tuesday workout, Saturday workout. The Workout was the exact same. This was kind of a uh, intro. Back into a little bit uh, more quality running. So on Tuesday, I did um, a- about four miles warm up, and then ten times twenty seconds hard with forty seconds easy recovery. Then I had a cool down. Saturday, literally the same exact thing. Uh, route was pretty much identical, um, save for the very end. I think I tacked on a little bit on um, Tuesday because I was feeling a little bit better at the end. Uh, for both of these workouts, again, it you, you can see that it's same course, very, very, very similar. I learned a bit from Tuesday's workout, as we will talk about in just a little bit. So uh, this is specifically comparing these strides. So uh, for this, this this set I overlaid, um, the, the red line you'll see here uh, is the Saturday power output. This is in watts per kilogram on the y-axis. And the blue line is the Tuesday workout here. So we can see that the power, um, you know, kind of spikes a little bit more in certain sections on on, on the red and I'll have an explanation for that. The Tuesday Hill Rep 3 that we see here, uh, well, the the, the repeat where I was running on a hill. uh, So these are still strides, um, 10 by 20 seconds. I had a little bit of a peak, a little bit of a valley, a little bit of a peak again. On Saturday, I did not, and I will explain why. On Tuesday, again, this is that same exact repeat. I had a little bit of a peak in pace and power, a little bit of a dip, and a little bit of a rise again. Why is there this dip? Well, it's because I relaxed a little bit too much when I was running down a hill. I, uh, I, again, was running around the Boulder Reservoir. It's a little bit uh, rolling terrain. There are some kind of short uphills and downhills, some little bit more gradual ones. Well, on the third repeat, I did not push to the place where I should have. You can see I dipped way below my critical power here. The, the point of these strides is to produce a high pace, but also a high power output. Again, it's similar to those hill repeats. Um, but I, I kind of got lazy here. It was the third repeat, and I wasn't really being purposeful yet. You can see the cadence down here was 177. That's on the low side for trying to run uh, some quality. So I really, really, really tried to focus the next time that I was running a downhill stride repeat that I would actually push a little bit more. um, And I would just keep that as a cognizant focus. Uh, Comparing the third repeat from Saturday, I was actually running up a hill. So in a slightly different place on the same course, I knew that I should not slack off that early in the workout, so I actually tried to press as I went up the hill. You can see the power output, the pace, uh, the cadence is a lot higher. Um, So I did a good job at maintaining focus, which is uh, great, and it's a critical thing to do for these short, intense sessions here is to maintain focus. Gus, any points about here, about this, um, this explanation? I think that's fantastic. Cool. So for the speed comparison, I also overlaid the speed. We can see that the red line here is from Saturday. The blue line is from Tuesday. So we can see that there was a pretty big uh, you know, dip in pace uh, here. This is the same exact kind of trend um, that we see in the blue, kind of a peak, a little bit of a valley, lost a little bit of focus, and then peak again. Saturday, I really, really, really tried to keep my mind a little bit more aware of where I was, how I should run these conditions. So we can see uh, this, this seventh repeat here. I had the same scenario that I had on the third repeat. If you remember, I was running downhill and I lost focus and I had that peak, that valley and that peak again. This time I was running it downhill and I was really, really trying to one, Keep a higher power output as you can see here on the left side, keep a high turnover, 190 cadence is, is pretty up there uh, for me, and keep a high pace. So I was able to actually practice um, something that I really, really appreciate about strides is that you can practice that neuromuscular side. So you can practice moving your legs quicker. Uh, if you get to the end of a you know a 5k race and you haven't practiced running 190 cadence and trying to close hard, how are you ever gonna do that at the end of a race? And so this was something that I found as a huge kind of valuable um, point for me specifically here uh, is having that focus and that discipline to keep pressing. As we can see, this terrain is moving down as I'm running down that gentle kind of downhill, really focus on pushing that pace um, there. So that was this seventh repeat. And I think that's all for this. Gus, any comments before we move on to the next part? Well, let's look at the
1: macro comparison one more time. Sure. For the speed or
0: for the power. And
1: this this is perfect, right? Sure. Oh, let's go to let's go to the power. Sure. And one thing you're going to notice here is that the Saturday workout there are def, it was definitely harder. Every rep is just about every rep is is slightly harder than the Tuesday power. Mm -hmm. And I want the viewers to keep this in mind for the next point we're gonna make. So could we jump onto the what about the stiffness?
0: What about stiffness, Gus?
1: So on workout one, we saw a 0.5 kilonewton per meter drop off from the start of the workout to the end of the workout. And now let's jump to the next slide. And on the workout on Tuesday, we saw a 0.6 kilonewton per meter drop-off from the warm-up to the cool-down. And this is fantastic data because it really, truly indicates that the second workout was more fatiguing. We saw a bigger drop-off in leg spring stiffness in both absolute terms and relative terms uh, from the slightly harder workout.
0: Yep. And this is something that is important to look at. Uh, Again, this is not... uh, a directive measure necessarily from our side, but it's more of a, um, you know, kind of looking into the data and seeing what's there. And I would know on Saturday, I should take it really easy on Sunday because I've had this pretty big drop. And this is something that as you get more familiar with your own numbers, that it's something you can look a, a little bit more into, which is um, something that's, that's pretty cool just to be able to, you know, I, I could look at the Workout on Tuesday and Saturday again. That comparison, and I could say, "Oh boy, I you know output higher power. Um, I'm feeling great, but I need to respect some of the other data that I have here." So this is uh, one of those other data points I think that's really powerful in uh, in, in helping us just have um, you know a little bit more insight into how the workouts are kind of actually going.
1: And Evan, one thing we see here is that you started those second workout at a lower leg spray stiffness. The first workout mm-hmm. you started around 10.0 and the second workout you started around 9.6. Yep. Did you say that you were starting the second workout somewhat fatigued?
0: Yeah, absolutely. As, as um, you know, the, the week went on as I did that harder workout already, um, you know, on Tuesday, the, the first little bit of dose of quality um, in quite a long time. Uh, again, then I definitely was feeling more fatigued again, as I, you know, stack on more mileage, more stress overall, I think this is perfectly normal. And this is stuff that I've seen, um, you know, before I, uh, you know, did this block, this is definitely the same trend that, that I would have seen in the past as well. So it fits, you know, kind of in how I respond, but I made sure to take it very, very easy that next um, Monday, Sunday, Tuesday, and I think I did a workout the next Wednesday. So I gave quite a bit of uh, recovery after this
1: excellent uh do you think it's time to take a few questions
0: yeah absolutely let's uh let's take a few questions here
1: here's one i would like to address it's from pascal bus and he asks what variation in power is considered consistent is it a deviation of 10 watts 20 watts or something else and this is going to be heavily reliant on you A lighter runner is not gonna see as much deviation and a heavier runner will see more deviation. So you may need to think about this in terms of percentage rather than absolute watts. And the second point I'd like to make is it also depends on the conditions. If you're running on flat asphalt and you're running at a very consistent pace, that range should be lower versus running on a trail with rolling hills and a bit of gusty wind. So you need to consider what situation you're in and then make a decision on whether this is an acceptable deviation or an unacceptable deviation.
0: Yeah. And I also think that it's important to respect the um, the, the power number there, right? So for an athlete that is running at uh, 400 watts, a variation of 10 watts is going to be different than an athlete running at 200 watts um, and having a variation of 10 watts. So you have to keep that in mind as well.
1: Here is a question for you and it's from Tom Hunt. Yep. And uh, essentially what he's asking is what percentage above critical powers should you run strides or hill repeats at? So how did you make that decision, Evan? Can We can maybe even go back to that slide and take a look.
0: Yeah, um, let me see here. Da, 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 da. Trying to think of a good, um, cause I, I put these in Watts per kilo. Uh, so for me, or did, did I have the, yeah. Okay. So here's, here's a great example. Um, the thing that I would encourage, probably, if we just have a, a couple basic points to go off of for strides that in this example, I would define as 20 second short bursts of higher intensity. Uh, ideally, they would be above your critical power, because the, the purpose of them would be to practice that neuromuscular component, Uh, but also practice that higher power output. You can achieve these in different ways. You could do hill repeats if you struggle initially at actually getting your legs to move fast enough to produce that higher power, right? So you might be somebody that considers themselves a slow twitch athlete and you have trouble with running fast enough, literally moving your legs fast enough to go any appreciable amount over critical power right so for for strides for me i typically look somewhere above 370 watts it's just a generalization right and so if my critical power in this example here is 337 i'm aiming for about 30 watts higher so i'm aiming for about 10 percent higher than that so um, let's just say 110 percent of critical power would be a number that i would focus on if you have trouble doing that i would highly encourage you initially to practice doing the hill sprints that we've talked about in the past couple webinars, uh, to actually practice that power output first to give your body the ability to output that power and practice that, and then start practicing um, tying that together into those more more flat um, or ro- rolling hills uh, efforts there, because uh, strides do have again that twofold purpose. You're going for that higher power output. For a short bout of time but also you're practicing that neuromuscular component of moving your legs fast enough and practicing that as well um if i had to give any generalization any maybe one round number to shoot for the first would be above critical power just just practice that and then if you can a general benchmark i would say is about 110 percent of critical power
1: excellent here's a very good question from Mike. And Mike is curious, how should I go about making charts like this for myself? Where should I be analyzing my data? Um, you know, and there's this is kind of a complex question. There's a few different things we've showed off here. So yep. for, I mean, I'll, let you, I'll let you answer this one. Sure.
0: Yeah. So for for, for this, um, you know, I find a lot of value just in, in stacking the data on top of it. Uh, I, I simply took um, the the data and I put it in a very quick Google Sheets for this presentation. Um, typically, I analyze things this way, so I, I look in Power Center and I try and look at those trends. Um, but for data like this, I just putting it in a quick Google sheet and kind of stacking it, um, it, it is how I did this. I would definitely encourage using Power Center a little bit more because on Google Sheets and kind of only present it for this image. So this is really for presentation purposes. I can't, you know, zoom in on one specific second and also look at my ground contact time, cadence, vertical oscillation, LSS, air power, all that stuff at the same time. You can do that in Power Center. So Power Center is a very powerful analysis tool, Um, but for quick comparison and presentation purposes, I put it together in Google Sheets. Excellent.
1: We have many other good questions, but let's move on to the next part of the presentation and we will get to these questions.
0: Absolutely. Uh, So what about stiffness? So this is the last example here. This is going to be a little bit different type of workout. So we're going to look at the workout here. This is a two-mile threshold-ish, so that moderate running, uh, and then alternating 800-meter repeats. So this is all on track, Uh, so alternating between them. Um, The first section that I highlighted here, you can see between the two arrows here, this is is two miles. Uh, So the average power I sustained here was 302 watts, 552 per mile, cadence was 171, ground contact time 203 milliseconds, average LSS 9.7, vertical oscillation 8.82. So again, if we look back at the moderate running, I sustained about uh, 300 watts average. The pace was 10 seconds slower per mile because I was running on rolling terrain. Um, my cadence was a little bit lower. I, I find that I typically have a little bit higher cadence on the track. My ground contact time was actually at, uh, I think right about the same. My LSS was a tiny bit higher as well. Vertical oscillation uh, around about the same as well. Uh, so this wasn't a particularly gusty day necessarily. 2% air power is pretty, pretty normal, I would say there for for the average but this is just highlighting again that 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 kind of difference we can get in the analytics if i looked at 300 watts i would say oh you know i i kind of expect to run um you know 602 pace maybe but again looking at the different conditions the the pace changed but the power output was the pretty much exact same within you know that that one percent threshold there uh the main thing i wanted to highlight here is 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 this workout again i did that Moderate sort of warm up that around 300 watt intensity, and then I got into some variations, so alternating between 800 meter repeats, um, and so this was all continuous, no rest between. Uh, the The goal was about 240 to 243 for the green segment, so for the odd repeats, and then alternating with somewhere between 259 and 302, um, so right at about uh, 520 pace per mile versus six minute uh, per mile was the goal, but the goal uh, on my side was about 320 watts for the on and 290 for the off. And then uh, th- that would you know, kind of alternate between, um, yeah, b- b- between those. So the kind of cool thing, again, if you're watching this, you can feel free to pause it uh, after the fact and just look at how the um, you know, numbers kind of change in respect to each other. The ground count, or I-, I guess just starting from the left to the right, uh, I kept my wattage for these repeats within three watts for all of the on repeats. And for all of the off repeats, it was within four watts. Um, so very, 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 very tight band. Uh, I was very, very uh, even with the pacing. The pace uh, you know, reflects the same for, for the time for the 800 repeats. So uh, between 240 and 243, exactly right on, between 259 and 302, exactly right on. Cadence within one step per minute uh, for the on repeats, within two steps per minute for the off. Uh, Ground contact time, within two milliseconds average. And then for the uh, off repeat within three, LSS, all pretty much nearly identical. And the vertical oscillation changed barely any in terms of the uh, the actual centimeters of variation there. Um, The thing that I like here, again, is just advocating for the use of the table and power center and being able to look at the differences between the metrics as they change over time. I knew, that I was pretty even with the 800 meter repeats. I tried to stay very, very even, but the data again, back set up. I I know that for next time, if my goal is to change things slightly, maybe I focus on 325 for the on reps and I focus on 295 for the off reps, and then I'll see how those metrics kind of change. But I know for me, this is just again, solidifying how even I was trying to make things. I don't have these huge variations like Gus talked about earlier. You don't want these wild swings up and down. Um, You can see here just by the table view afterwards that I was able to very, very, very easily stay in that narrow band.
1: I think that's an excellent point. Yeah, just to echo the precision and consistency, if you go out and do this workout again in a few weeks, it's very easy to dial the targets up by... 1% and do the same exact workout with just 1% extra fitness. It it would be incredibly easy and you could do it based on how exact you are between the reps. It would be very easy to just move it up by four or five Watts and, and hit those exact targets again.
0: Yep. Yep. Absolutely. So the thing that I really like here too, is let's talk through this practical example. I have, you know, four times, uh, or I guess four miles straight of alternating, two laps hard, two laps easy. And I say, I want to average around 320 watts for the on, I want to average around 290 watts for the off. I can quickly see if I had any point of failure, let's just say that you know, for practical purposes, this third on repeat here, I was uh, at 315, and then this off repeat, I was at 295. For next time, I would know that I need to have the discipline to push a little bit harder for that third on and relax a little bit more, for that third off. So the you know probably the, the fault that I have here is that I didn't have this big yo-yo right. So I can't give this example, but that would be a practical thing that I could think through by looking at it in a simple table view like this. Um, I was lucky to be very consistent here and lucky to uh, you know have something that I can work off of greatly for uh, for, for next time for sure.
1: Excellent. Let's let's move on to the next slide.
0: Cool. Your questions. That's the uh, last slide that we had prepared. So um, this will be a last call for any questions that people have.
1: Well, we certainly have plenty of fantastic questions in the chat here, and I will be serving these over to you, Evan, for you to answer. Sure. So this question came early on. I thought it was a very good one. It came from Verification. Mm -hmm. and he says he started 80 20 like plans so basically a lot of his easy running is very easy and a lot of his hard running is very hard Mm -hmm. and he's been sticking to that plan. he's been holding himself back but now i believe he's seeing his critical power go down and Mm -hmm. he looks like he can actually hold less power than he could before and i believe that he's asking Did I become slower? Is my critical power accurate? What should I do in this situation? My critical power starts going dumb and I've started doing a lot more easy running.
0: Yeah, uh, well, fortunately we just recorded a webinar, what is this, two weeks ago now, right? Uh, How to maintain a, uh, how to establish and maintain a valid auto critical power. So I definitely recommend looking at that webinar Um, We can put a link in that for people watching after the fact, if you're interested as well. The thing that I might think from the uh, 80-20 plan, especially right now, this was one of the things that we talked through the webinar uh, that we recorded on how to establish and maintain a valid auto CP is that if you don't have an opportunity to do max efforts or do things like races right now, it's important to know that the auto CP model definitely relies on having uh, what we refer to as maximum efforts. So if your training plan does not call for high intensity, so if you have that 80/20 split, that's great. Um, if the 20% that's high intensity still isn't um, towards that maximum side, the auto CP is going to have a hard time guessing uh, your or you know going off the model for your ability uh, because it's 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 modeled and it needs to have that input to be able to give you that information. So um, I do not necessarily think that you're slower I, I think that uh giving that webinar that we recorded two weeks ago uh, a, a quick watch and a listen through um, would absolutely be a great thing just to kind of explain the the reason for that cp potentially going down
1: we have a great question here from ryan and he says he's a new strider and he's wondering how do you set up your watch I and mean, what metrics are you looking at with stride on your watch in real time and how do you have that set up
0: yeah, it depends. Uh, for an easy day, I will use an Apple Watch. Uh, I really, really like the Stride Apple Watch app. Um, I'll use that for workouts sometimes occasionally as well. Uh, but let's say I just want to put a podcast in, and then I just want to go run. I'll just set my screen up literally to be timer, distance, and uh, average power. And that's my easy day. I, I Again, I know my easy range for power. And I just set it up like that for workouts um, and for some easy easy runs too. I I use a Garmin. I definitely have used quite a few Garmin's um, in the past. Uh, you know, we have experience with Polar and Suunto as well. Um, so you know. You, you name it, we've probably used it all. Um, but for me personally, yeah, right now I'm using the Garmin 245. Uh, and if I'm running a workout, I will use the Stride workout app where you can program things in and it'll alert you whether you're above or below your target. It'll alert you when it's time to go on to the next step as well. Um, so yeah, I, I think there's a ton of great integration. If you do have any kind of specific questions about your watch, we're always available at support at stride.com. Um, always available to take questions there. Uh, also, if you want to join the Stride community on Facebook, there's a ton of great experienced Stride users there. So if you have a specific setup you're kind of questioning, um, that would also be a great place to maybe ask some specific use case uh, things for your specific uh, watch setup as well. Um, but in terms of integration of third-party watch data, um, the the stuff you saw on the screen there, uh, yeah, that was... Uh, you know, just, just normal watch data fed into Power Center. Uh, and it'll display like that, whether you're using uh, Garmin, Polar, Synco, Apple Watch, um, anything. If you're offline syncing your Stride, if you don't run with a watch, you don't run with the phone, uh, you can sync Stride afterwards as well. And we'll show you that same data without the map um, there, obviously.
1: We have a question from New Try Training. And he has been a Strider for a few years now. And he is asking, what is the good like spring stiffness value and what should you be looking for to evaluate if if, if it's a tr- if it's a good LSS or a bad LSS
0: yeah um the one thing that I, I I really like and this is kind of how we like to look at things too is that there's no real um, good or bad right so um, there there's may- maybe good or at a higher range compared to other people um, bad is the thing that I want to focus on uh, if you feel like you have a low or bad LSS, it just means you have great room for improvement. So we've talked a bunch about um, using plan metrics, using drills, using hills, using um, you know sprints to help improve LSS. And if you feel like you have a low LSS, that's a great room for improvement. Um, I would say just from stuff we've looked at in the past, uh, don't have a very firm number, but again, remembering that the uh, you know the the value for LSS is in kilonewtons per meter uh, if you divide that by your weight in kilograms, that is something that some people do for comparative values. If you're above about 0.14, uh, that is, uh, something we've seen around the middle. Um, if you're, you know, above 0.15 or 0.16, um, if you divide again, that LSS value by your weight in kilograms, that's typically above average. If you're below I'd say 0. 0.130. that means you have a great room for improvement and a great ability to improve upon that for sure
1: we have a question from Mike who is curious about race strategy hmm. how should I plan my warm-up and cool down on race day will I be warming up in the middle of the race or should I be scheduling that before the race how, how do you how do you warm up before a race and how do you plan that in relation to the start of your race
0: yeah absolutely uh, so i have a lot of experience um you know racing i i, I started running um you know track in in middle school so uh, you know years and years and years ago and if the race was a mile we would run you know one or two laps of the track and that that would be it um now if i'm racing a marathon i i still barely warm up anything for the marathon for the marathon i feel like um, because it's such a long event, and you really want to um, conserve the you know the energy source. Again, it's my personal opinion. Um, I find I do better if I barely do any warm up at all. Anything in the middle of those, though, um, you know, I like I said in the workout, I really really uh, like doing at least a fifteen to twenty minute um, easy to moderate paced warm up to make sure I'm ready to go. Uh, I can give a specific example. This morning, I did a two mile time trial. I did 15 minutes of easy running, then I did three minutes of moderate running. So for me, again, that easy running is about 250 watts, and then I did uh, three minutes of about 305 to 310 watts, and then I did two strides, so two times 20 seconds with 40 seconds uh, in between, and then I was ready to do my two mile. Um, it depends on your ability, is what I would say for warm up. If you uh, or somebody that uh, just going off of what your normal volume is, if you normally run somewhere between, you know, 20 to 30 miles per week, uh, it's probably not a great idea to do, uh, you know, a three mile warm up before your 10K and then a three mile cool down afterwards. Uh Know for for me in the past when I was training really hard, I would have a ton of fun of you know warming up five miles from my house to a 5k, run the 5k, then do a 10 mile cool down because I was you know crazy. Um, it depends on you and your personal situation, uh, but I definitely think that adding a warm up to help your body prepare to, to run before the race is a great idea, and then also getting a um, easy bit of running afterwards is a great idea as well. If it fits your overall volume and your training schedule too.
1: We have a question from egotistic foil. How can a new runner, someone who's been running for less than a year, or maybe even less than six months, mm. identify form and technique places to improve and how should stride data be used to help identify those improvement areas Yeah, uh, blind from the world of swimming?
0: Yeah, I, I think that's actually um, that's that's a really good point, and it's a really good uh, thing to keep in mind, um, especially if you're coming from the world of swimming, where I imagine technique and form is is crucial, right? That's that that's where you can really really optimize. Um, for running, I really think uh, you know if you're really of the mindset that. Um, you feel like you need to improve your form. Talking to a, a expert is, is something that I definitely recommend. Um, I wouldn't necessarily feel comfortable uh, recommending form or, or technique, but using stride data over time, uh, along with uh, an, an expert in that field, would definitely be a winning combination. I feel like. Excellent.
1: So, we have some other very good questions here. And another one comes from Mike here. And he says, Do you make sure to stay below your optimal race power or around your optimal race power when you are executing a race?
0: Yeah, I, I think that's a, um, a great question. We had Tom Tinman Schwartz on a, a couple weeks ago when he talked about how to pace. Uh, your your optimal 5k was stride. And he gave the example of, uh, you know, the first kilometer, uh, and it, especially with the 5k, it's very easy to break it up in five seconds, right? So first kilometer, start out slightly below your goal power. Uh, in the middle three kilometers, get right up on that line that your goal is. And then the last kilometer, have the ability to close a little bit harder or maintain that overall goal power, and you'll finish right at your goal. Um, I think That similar thought can be extended whether the distance is a kilometer whether the distance is a mile whether the distance is a marathon Um, when you start to go over the marathon distance you start to have some other strategies there but um, breaking the race up into manageable chunks uh, where you start out slightly under your goal give yourself the ability to work up to your goal power maintain that goal power and then finish slightly above that give yourself the ability to finish hard, I think that's a great strategy.
1: We have an excellent question from Bruno here. And I might start the answer off on this one. He asks, if my cadence is good, how can I improve my ground contact time? Are they correlated? And one of the things I'd say to this in that when we talk about cadence and ground contact time, your, your goal should be to improve your power and critical power. It's always going to be more beneficial to improve your overall fitness than your running form, nearly nearly always. Unless you're operating at a very elite level or you're at continual injury risk or something's very painful, you're always going to be better off trying to push the power higher than focusing on any of these metrics. You should treat these metrics as pieces of analysis and and. Signals you can use after the run if something went wrong. Sure. But these metrics are not necessarily something you want to uh, see improve over. Not something you should prioritize above running power.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think just echoing that. Yeah, absolutely. It's not you know the the normal thing I usually check for my runs is not necessarily the ground contact time. Again, when we're looking at this in depth analysis, it is. Um, I look at the RSS. I look at my running stress balance. I look at, um, you know, my overall volume. I look at, uh, did I cross my critical power during my warmup? I look at stuff like that uh, compared to just diving really into the biomechanics. Um, And again, acknowledging the fact that, uh, you know, the, the way running works is you have certain operators, right? Like you have your cadence is a metric that we identify as the number of steps per minute. You have your ground contact time, which we identify as how much you're, how much time in milliseconds your ground, your foot is on the ground, uh, your vertical oscillation, the change in oscillation of the center of your mass, that stuff is all a function of what 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 you're doing in real time, and so um, it's stuff to be able to look at over time and not necessarily look at one run and say okay this was you know a big problem it's the the trend over time and I've looked at thousands and thousands and thousands of data sets right of my own data because as we saw at the very beginning i have you know at least 910 runs in the uh you know in in my profile and so i've been able to get really in tune with what i know in certain situations um is you know stuff that leads room for improvement or stuff that i identify as a good trend there too
1: we have many questions, uh, essentially as feature suggestions, asking about plotting metrics over time and sure. comparing workouts directly. And I'm not going to address all these one by one, but we appreciate the feature suggestions, and our development team is watching the webinar along with you, so they definitely uh, they definitely see what users are asking for. Yep. So a lot of these things you're suggesting will be considered for future releases and future software updates.
0: Yeah. Absolutely.
1: And we really have one big question remaining, two actually. Uh, Jose Bella asks, does it make sense to include warm-up and cool-down in the same activity, or would it be better to record them all separately?
0: Yeah. um, I think it depends. Uh, For for, for me, I definitely prefer... uh, to split, split things up. Uh, I know the example that I gave earlier was everything combined. Um, that's not what I normally do. If I'm doing a hard dedicated session, I will do a warm up and then I will do my quality session and then I will do a cool down all as separate activities. Um, I think being able to you know, have the potential, again, like Gus mentioned in the future, uh, tag stuff now uh, for better future options. Uh, so if I want to you know potentially um look at my cooldowns in the future i should tag all my cooldowns separately so that is um you know that th- that is the option uh, that i look at but it-, it depends for you um I-, I think it's totally fine to keep everything together but if you like to split things up we give the the ability to tag warm up workout and cool down all the separate things as well
1: we have one question from love try race team and this is something that we do have available so i think you're going to be thrilled to hear this and they're asking it would be excellent to have various percentages of critical power prescribed per race distance mm-hmm. and this is something you can find at stride.com slash guide in the race with power section you're going to be able to get a rule of thumb guide on different percentages of critical power you should target for different race distances
0: yep absolutely um and this is something you know we're uh, really excited to see people using as well so again like we mentioned Um, people have been doing time trials in different groups. And so it's been really, really rewarding to see people have successful race results at all different distances, um, by using smart race planning for sure.
1: We have a very nice comment here from INR Luck. This is an outstanding, serious, high quality content, lots of new insights and fun. (laughs) Please continue. My stride pod has lifted my running quality significantly.
0: Awesome. Yeah, that's. Great feedback Uh, i want to touch on uh, one question here from my friend victor uh he says does the form power ratio generally indicate improvement what is a good ratio range thank you um the one thing again i'd kind of echo what i said before is if we're comparing stuff again with this type of metric um we should keep variables as similar as possible so if i wanted to compare the form power ratio i'd look at the form power ratio on this same stretch of road where I normally do a workout, or form power ratio at this specific wattage range uh on a track, or the form power ratio for my hill repeats That's something I might want to look at over time. Does it generally indicate improvement? Um, it depends what improvement is, but uh, you know, form power is generally the you know, kind of very basic terminology we'd give to it is the power that's Um, not being used to move forward. So if I was having, um, you know, a very high vertical oscillation on the hill repeats and I was spending a lot of time on the ground and lowering my cadence, you might see a higher form power. Uh, And if I started increasing my cadence, lowering ground contact time, and then reducing that vertical oscillation to a certain amount, you will see a lower form power ratio. A good ratio range, again, it depends, um, as you do move faster through space on, again, similar terrain, your ability to take that uh, power versus form power should drop a little bit. The stuff that I like to look at, again, is uh, keeping the variables the same. So if I go out and I try and uh, repeat the uh, you know 800 on 800 off workout, then I want to keep in mind and look after the fact, was my form power ratio the same? Was it a little bit higher? Was it a little bit lower than the time I did that same workout before? So um, that's a good question about form power ratio. You can see that in Power Center as well.
1: Is there anything we can tease for next week in terms of webinar series or content?
0: Um, Not yet waiting on that, but as I, if people are interested, you can definitely go to blog.stride.com and there'll be a link there to sign up for the newsletter uh, for this webinar series. Again, next week we'll be doing, um, I believe it's two shows. Is that correct, Gus? Yes. Two shows. Um, so keep, keep, keep an eye out for that. We'll do episodes like this later in the week and an episode with a guest earlier in the week waiting to hear back um, right now from a guest. But as soon as we have that, we will... Uh, send it out to people. Um, and you can feel free to tune into that.
1: Excellent. I think that wraps up everything for
0: today. Super cool. Well, thanks everybody so much for tuning in. We always appreciate people, uh, you know, coming in, asking their questions. It's awesome, uh, to be, you know, engaging with everybody. Uh, it feels like, uh, you know, that this show went by so quick. I just looked at the timer now. We're about just over 80 minutes. And so it's super fun. I'm going to lose my voice. I know for sure. Um, I wanna plug one thing before we go Gus, if people are interested, please feel free to subscribe to the YouTube channel, like, comment, share the video. You, uh, you, you have the link there. Uh, you can share it with friends. Um, feel free to sign up again for that newsletter. Uh, the rest of the time is yours Gus.
1: Stride is still shipping. So if you are enjoying this webinar series and you're not yet a current Stride owner, you can head over to store.stride.com and uh, we can even get that shipped out today if you order in the next uh, few hours. So thank you everyone for joining.
0: Awesome. We'll be back with another episode shortly. Bye-bye everyone.